Studebaker truck and three hundred dollars when I started this company. In a few years, my sons will be ready to take over, and then I'd like to. Uh, I never told anybody this. Uh, I want to live in Paris and go to cooking school. Hey, that's what I want to do. Will I have the money to do it? You could get there from here with Shearson Lehman Brothers. Willing to rewatch a movie. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Quick, quick, quick. Hey, plop. Please don't aggregate this. Lillard, long range three. Their defense is atrocious. I'm sort of the rock star. People, Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. Yeah, we love China. We love the playing there. It comes a dunk. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? Bye. So we last time we talked about where we left off last time was um, this montage, this sort of like very frozen, stiff. Um, uh, yeah, montage of, of Moira and uh, Doug skating on the ice. It has yes. these sort of cold, passionless vibes. The bloodless technical perfection montage. Yes. Yes. And we're going to move on to sort of a critical, pivotal scene here. This is the brunch scene. Oh, God. Major scene here. And major, major scene. <laughs> before we even hop into it, I just want to throw one quick thought out here. And okay. it sort of occurred to me, it dawned on me after these last few episodes. Um, and so here, here goes. Um, so last episode we covered Doug dodging the draft, right? <laughs> we and covered it. We yes, covered we it. <laughs> I'd say we covered that pretty, pretty thoroughly. Yep. Yeah. It we was like a Ken Burns. It was basically, we cut in a Ken Burns documentary about the Gulf war <laughs> yeah. into this podcast. Yes. We covered it. We yeah. talked about his lies surrounding operation desert storm, um, <laughs> that he, that he moved to Greenwich, Connecticut to train for the Olympic qualifiers and, and figure skating, which is a sport that he literally had no experience or background in. Correct. And something I just want to toss out there now, because I think it colors the rest of my experience of the film. And it certainly is, it's going to be something that's going to be on everyone's mind moving forward. It's Doug's lying. Now when we talk about the term pathological lying. We're talking about a set of symptoms that appears to be distinct although there's controversy about that, and right now is not a mental disorder. So pathological lying is not a mental disorder in the diagnostic and statistical manual. But the construct has been studied for a number of years and has a few different names, including compulsive lying, mythomania, morbid lying, and pseudologia fantastica. Here I'm just gonna to refer to it as pathological lying. So there are three main schools of thought in terms of where pathological lying fits in with mental health. First is that it's a distinct mental disorder and it should be classified as such. So with this school of thought, pathological lying is just overlooked. It should be a disorder, it's not a disorder. The second school of thought is that it is distinct and it could qualify to be a mental disorder, but it does not impair functioning or it's not treatable. So that theory has a few different subtypes. The last theory is that the 
symptoms may or may not be distinct, but they're really just behaviors that are part of other disorders, specifically cluster B personality disorders, so antisocial, narcissistic, borderline, and histrionic. Sometimes we see with this theory that the symptoms, the behaviors seen with pathological lying are also included as part of factitious disorder or malingering. So when we talk about pathological lying, we're talking about a construct for which there is no agreed-upon definition. Mm. He lied about the war. Mm -hmm. Uh, He clearly lied on his resume about being a qualified construction worker. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, he is not a professional carpenter. Mm -hmm. Um, No, he's not. I mean, you have to imagine on all of his uh, NHL hockey tryouts, I'm sure that he covered up the extent of his injuries. Uh, Correct. The uh, percentage of peripheral vision that he still uh, retained. <laughs> I'm quite sure he did not, uh, you know, divulge that to uh, NHL scouts and coaches. Yep. And you know and he's lying to himself because in his brain, he's telling himself he's good enough to be in the Merchant Marines. He's he's, not. he's, he's literally yeah. telling himself this lie. That's a bit, uh, that's a lie within a lie. <laughs> yeah. So he never served in the Merchant Marines. We no, know he that did not. for a fact. We've that established he never that. He he has, you know, he never earned the experience. He never earned the credentials needed to become a successful mariner. Uh, we know the the maritime apprenticeship program takes a little over two years. You, you talked about that last time, Christian. 26 yep. weeks in the classroom, 360 days at sea. Uh, Doug has done none of that. No, I'm know? sure he, he probably is, doesn't even know the, the, the demands of, of such no. a job. We know for a fact that Doug has not done that. This is documented on film. This is a documentary of his life for the last year and a half. (laughs) He's been training in Connecticut. And so, again, something I just want to float here is what else Mm. is Doug lying about? Mm. Wow. Oh, Keep that in the back of your head. Sure. He's capable of lying about his military service. He's capable of lying about being a construction worker. What what else? What else is a lie? What else is fiction? Wow. I mean, you think that, you know, this qualifies him to work with Jack, who we've established is running an elaborate Ponzi scheme, who needs a good liar in his midst to yeah. sell these bad deals on unsuspecting Greenwich yep. people being like, I'm Jack, you know me from the neighborhood. And yeah. then we find out he doesn't even cut checks for people, which we yeah, now know because he, you know, Doug's riding the bus. We've learned a lot. Things are not Jack- going how you'd think they would for Doug. Jack is clearly something of a of a role model, a father figure for Doug. Um, I mean, we don't. There's never any mention, come to think of it, of Doug's paternal, you know, father, birth father uh, in the film. All we, all we know of his family is his his brother Walter, of course, uh, from from the penalty Gem. box. Jem. Yep. Um, Theory. <laughs> theory is that his father lied about being in the merchant marines so he's like my dad was in the merchant marines and then he finds out dad wasn't in the merchant marines he ran out on mom so he's just got this story baked in like it didn't where did you learn this from i learned it from you dad i learned it from you dad his dad lied about this he's like that's the first thing he had loaded up it's like oh god they want to know what i'm doing i'm in the merchant marines just like dad Today on an all-new Dr. Phil, her husband of 14 years... I have so many questions. I just want to know the truth. ...ran off with their daughter's best friend. I don't want to believe it. He's 45 years old. She's 16. Now... From the moment we met... Yeah, it's the first thing that sprang to his mind because, of course, that's there's an early childhood memory, you know, implanted... uh, Baked in there. Deep, deep in, deep down in. So, Um, yeah, I mean, this this is the moment, though, where 
I would say they were now at the scene where uh, Doug is fully a class traitor. <laughs> this dinner party sequence is wait 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 we, we've not to, not no, dinner. Don't say it's, it's it's clearly it's no no we're at the we're at the scene the but it's not dinner. It's it's like broad daylight. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you, if you, this is true. But they're yeah. Eating. If you look out the windows, it is a it there is a brunch situation. Mimosas. Yeah. This is brunch. Yeah. This is brunch. Okay. They so have they're... clearly rented out the entire restaurant, which is a <laughs> a very nice restaurant with large, you know, floor to ceiling windows. Uh, Jack Mosley has clearly rented out the entire space. Has the full service staff in black tie <laughs> waiting on on them hand and foot. Um, yeah. But this is this is a major scene here. Yeah. So this is very a major pivotal. Sequence. Yeah. Let's unpack this here a little bit, Ben, and I want you to walk us through this because I know you have combed over this scene. Yes. I couldn't tell you how many times. <laughs> but so set the stage for us, Ben, a little bit. So like where are we and what is the occasion of this dinner? Everyone's dressed, you know, shirt and tie. It's yeah. very it's a special occasion. So what exactly is happening here and why are we having this celebratory brunch? Great, great question, Chris. So upon the first uh, 10 to 20 times I viewed this scene, I assumed it was just sort of a like a casual, like celebratory get together, just kind of like, hey, we've been working really hard. Um, they uh, Doug does mention at one point that they are five weeks, five weeks to go uh, until nationals. Uh, so I just sort of assumed that it was just like a, hey, like, you know, we've all earned a little break. Uh, let's let's go out. And then, it, as we'll find out, it turns into, you know, a, a different thing, but that is only planned by one of the participants. But actually, uh, I think somewhere around my 25th or 30th rewatch, uh, I heard Kate mention um, the actual reason that they are there drinking champagne in the middle of the day, which is we're celebrating our elig- eligibility, eligibility, which means that they have qualified for nationals. I don't know the exact, uh, you know, process for, uh, you know, amateur figure skating. Um, I, I, I assume, like, eligibility is like a weird word, but I assume that that is, you know, accurate in the in the world of, 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 of you know, amateur figure skating. Um, to to qual- so, It's so like another word for qualifying for nationals. Um, this restaurant is in... Connecticut, then, like, yes. we're to believe. So yes, we're right. we I'm looking at the building, gentlemen. I'm looking at the building across the street, and I don't know any, any town. I mean, it looks a lot like this kind of brick structure. This yeah, looks it looks like a, a lot like Soho. It looks, I, I yeah. like, if you didn't know any better, you'd be like, oh, they're in New York. I think um, they went to, I think they went to New York for. Oh, and maybe like, they drove is, into New York. I mean, that's like very they drove possible. To New York, and yeah, this that's is very possible. Also, to me, where Doug is gleefully pouring champagne. Doug is going ham on the she champagne. Is like, I just want to say, I have a feeling that it's, I have a feeling it's not New York. You think, think it's not New York, Chris? I think it's probably a different city in the New England area. I mean, it could so? be Baltimore. We got some boarded up buildings <laughs> across the street. This is a wire adjacent series. <laughs> I could have driven down. Baltimore? You don't, <laughs> I don't think know. it's maybe no. the bean? <laughs> No, no, it's probably New York. I'm going to stand by my uh, assumption that this is New York and not a wire yeah, crossover. It's this classier is... <laughs> looking, and it's it does have that like kind of downtown Manhattan look to it. This um, is Jack. This is Man of Raytheon. You think he's yeah? Jack doesn't. Some he has town. No, he's going to New York City. He has his like offices and stuff and like whatever like people in Boston, but he doesn't spend time in that town. He's he's, well, he's he a New York guy. Hails, through hails from the London office. Right. I feel like they, they mentioned where the other office is, or 
Well, Hale does have to leave at a later point in the movie that we'll get to, and well, I don't want to spoil that. So yeah, let's, let's just let's just all. Ben, uh, I'm going to back you up a moment. You're too far ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> a dream, <laughs> it's a dream to be on the podcast and pull a Ben Crow. You are finally just, one of us. Oh, come. Yes. Ben, you're a few frames too far ahead. Today you became president. Uh, but yeah, truly. so so I I do so at this moment there. This is where I'm like genuinely like Doug Dorsey, class trader. They are in this rented out entirely the restaurant. Doug yeah. gleefully pouring champagne. He's I mean, like the place is totally empty. totally empty. And there's like oh, three yeah. or four Jack waiters working the table. Out. And yeah. he's he's like bumping shoulders with Jack, being like, "Hey, Jackie, you know they tell us we can actually take nationals." And like, just like if if, if Walt saw this, he oh, he, Walt, Walt would not recognize his his brother. <laughs> I mean, we got we have waiters in tuxedos, black tie, in tuxedos, yeah. black, black tie. tie, yeah, yeah. We we knew um, that like you know a, Walt a team would be of rolling. them waiting, literally standing all, uh, around the table, just waiting for a cue. Yeah. Um, This is taking me right back. So you know what this reminds me of is like, Ben, one of my first jobs at a college. Catering. Acting and, you know, acting, auditioning. One of my first jobs was being a cater waiter. And I had a a standing gig with this one company where I would do breakfast. Restaurant Associates? Was it Restaurant Associates? I worked through with, <laughs> I worked with Restaurant Associates. Yeah, with Billy and Adam company. and all that. Yeah, I worked for another company as well, and I had a standing gig at Lehman Brothers. <laughs> wow. Where do you want to be next year? You know, I, I don't plan to be a partner in this firm forever. In fact, I've been doing something on the side that could be very rewarding. I have an offer to work full-time with some kids. Pays 11000 a year. How can we restructure my portfolio so I can tell them yes? You can get there from here with Searson Lehman Brothers. Ring stops here. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we would do. How did like, it go like, there? Well, they had, like, <laughs> insert executive... clip. Insert very sad 2008 Fox News report. Executive... Lehman Brothers. Going to be one of the watershed days in financial markets history. It was a manic Monday in the financial markets. The Dow tumbled more than 500 points after two pillars of the street tumbled over the weekend. Lehman Brothers, a 158-year-old firm, filed for bankruptcy. I don't think anyone really expected a bank as big as Lehman to, uh, you know, be in a position that it's in now. Brought down by bad mortgage investments, Lehman, which has 25,000 employees, will be liquidated. I'm starting to find another job. Meanwhile, Merrill Lynch, fearing it could be next, agreed in an act of desperation to a shotgun marriage with Bank of America. Merrill, the country's biggest brokerage with 60,000 employees, had been battered by nearly $50 billion in mortgage-related losses. It is definitely a very, very difficult time, and it's not going to get better quickly. So in just six months, three of the five biggest independent firms on Wall Street have now disappeared. Bear Stearns, which collapsed last spring, Lehman Brothers, and Merrill Lynch. Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson tried to reassure investors today. The American people can remain confident in the soundness and the resilience of our financial system. Paulson attempted to broker a deal to sell Lehman over the weekend, but unlike the buyout deal for Bear Stearns, the government would not offer any financial guarantees. I never once considered 
that it was appropriate to put taxpayer money on the line with, with, with uh, in resolving Lehman Brothers. <laughs> they had an executive <laughs> dining room, which looked so much like It was this. the final and party that Lehman ever threw. Yep. Chris yeah. was there. Dude, I mean, this was like circa 2008. You know, yeah, wow. I mean, good there times. There you go. It might have been. So this was like <laughs> Chris was right there. around when like Bear Stearns and all wow. those companies sure. were like imploding. But anyways, they had an executive dining room and it was for honestly meetings like this where it was like most of the room is empty except for 10 extremely high powered, you know, executives brokering some sort of major deal while we serve, you know, shitty coffee and breakfast rolls and whatever. And here's yeah. the crazy thing, Chris. Did you know that 50% of those high-powered executives were actually hockey skaters that were <laughs> dressed up in suits and monkey suits and class trainering their way to a yeah. escargot brunch lunch? Uh, yeah. Anyway, so Doug, Doug here is, to me, this is the real flash where Doug is completely lost sight yeah. of old Doug. Honestly, I think Doug has more than just champagne in his system in this scene. <laughs> because well, tell, <laughs> tell me that. if you guys got this. I'm getting big time Coke energy vibes Dude, from Doug. In my notes, I'm like, have they done speed? <laughs> they like the, my first big thought on this is the conversation is happening so goddamn fast. Wait, the first thing that Doug says. <laughs> The first thing he says is, oh, God, hang on. I have to click myself. <laughs> That's the first right. line out of his mouth yes. in this scene is, if I get her any higher on that throw double sow, <laughs> they're going to need a, they're gonna need a putty knife to scrape her off the ceiling. <laughs> if I get her any higher on that throw double sow, they're going to need a putty knife to scrape her off the ceiling. Am I right? <laughs> totally. Which is, I had to like totally re-listen to that like five times to be like, at first I was like... A a a a, a, a fro double ch- chow like what is he it's saying? A normal, that's a and, normal thing. Yeah, and then I I literally was like a fro a, a th- I had to like break it down like like you know point two speed to figure that he's and actually like confirm that he's saying a throw double sow meaning a yeah. sow cow short for uh, sow cow. Sal, Sal, I don't know exactly how you pronounce it, but anyway, if I get her any higher on that throw double Sal, which is a real doubles skating move, sure. they're going to need a putty knife to scrape her off the ceiling, which is just a most, really paints a picture, it's so very on up. brand from Doug. <laughs> such coke energy. Also very on brand with his like, you know, just the violent kind just of like energy and imagery that yeah. uh, like, Doug, Doug at loves. This point, out of the blue scream, I am invincible. Yes. I feel like that makes <laughs> Literally, he's about to toast to eternal life. <laughs> um, we can do anything. <laughs> Let's open a restaurant that's even better than this one. Yeah, man. Um, he used to be a WILG member. Unbelievable. A common man, and now he's got coked up broker energy. Yeah. Where he's yeah. in front of this woman saying he could throw her into the ceiling. <laughs> They'd have to That's scrape right. her off the wall. And like, but the yeah. whole... Is the whole scene, the whole scene, kind of has that energy. It's it's like an Altman scene. It's yeah. this, this like cacophony of conversation, overlapping dialogue. Everyone's talking over each other. You can't really make anything out unless you're like me and you rewatch the scene thirty times, like isolating each character's uh, dialogue to try to you know figure out exactly what they're saying. If I get her any higher in that throw double sow, they're gonna need a putty knife to scrape her off the ceiling. Am I right? <laughs> Are we ready for nationals or what? We will be. For we will be. Look at you, Doug. Where is vodka? No, no, okay, no. Okay, you just try to order. I think I'm going to 
And then Anton says, we will be, Doug. And then Kate, very, like, like off camera, you came, like, very, like, softly. She, that's when she says, we're celebrating our elig- eligibility. We haven't won anything yet. So she's trying to, you know, <laughs> always kind of like the wet blanket, trying to, like, slow down, Doug. Okay, like, I can tell you're very animated. You're very excited. And then Hale, who's there. So, yeah, we should mention for anyone, I guess we haven't, the, the scene includes uh, five, five characters, right? It's Doug, Kate. Hale, Jack, and Anton. Um, it's the five of them. It's a little like you know. It's 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 the just the inner circle. Um, and to make this like a W uh, an NBA uh, podcast again, and the waiters are playing man v man defense. <laughs> One <laughs> yes. waiter to every person at the That's table. That's exactly right. You know, yes. it's, a, it's definitely like the Lakers versus insert bad team of your choice. Uh, yeah. the waiters being those right. teams, and the Lakers sitting down at the table. Yes. Yes. Um, and then so Hale is there, and as Doug is, you know, talking talking his his talk, Hale just very kind of casually ri- raises his glass of champagne and says, "To you, Doug." To you, Doug. Which is actually, if you know what's coming, an incredible like power move by Hale. Like it's it's like it's like almost like a pre mortem one liner where he's just like, "Yes, Doug, to you, ha ha ha," like under his breath. <laughs> Um, and then so, again, off camera, kind of overlapping, Kate says, okay, who's ready to order? I think I'm going to start with some vichyssoise, because, um, you know, she's a little spoiled rich kid. <laughs> um, and then my favorite, though, is if you listen to Anton, and I, I trust you, say, Chris, did to... Did you catch Anton's audio? Did I catch vodka? Where is vodka? <laughs> no, 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 no. No champagne for me. Too gassy. I have vodka. Yeah. Where is vodka? No, no, okay, no, 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 And then as there's more dialogue coming in, and then later uh, Anton says, excuse me, could some Baluka Gaviar, the best, it's on Jack. Do you speak English? Some Baluka Gaviar, the best, license to thrill. Slow down, Do you speak English? Yes. When I heard him say, do you speak English, I was immediately just like... Oh God! Like just betrayers we, of every single one of yeah. them has completely lost I the thread mean, of where they came folks, from. It's 1992. You can't cancel a person, okay, yeah. for being insensitive Ooh. like this. This is no. just how it, it was a different time. No, yeah, exactly. No, exactly. this is. Um, so we now know Hale is about to make a, a major announcement. Yeah, and but before that. Oh boy. Doug, How- Doug says, <laughs> five weeks ago, everything's starting to click. We're going to kick some tail at those nationals. Am I right, Jack? Are you gonna have five weeks ago, everything's starting to click. We're going to kick some tail at those nationals. Am I right, Jack? Again, just like, you know, speaking way too fast, uh, way too much energy. <laughs> also, um, we don't know about Doug's father scenario, but it sounds like he's a lack of a father. And yeah. in Jack, he's like, give me that he's sweet fatherly, uh, you know, approval. love and approval. Yes, Jack, Jack, please. we're going to win Look at me, you, look at me, senpai, yes. <laughs> you know, like, he doesn't even want Kate's approval at this point. He's like, Jack, yeah. look at me, throw the ball with me, Jack. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know? Stop, put your work down, Dad. I mean, Jack. <laughs> um, and then Doug says, I'm eligible. 
which again, I'm eligible. Like that's a weird flex unless you realize that he's talking about eligibility for nationals. And then he goes, I'm eligible. Doug Dorsey, license to thrill. I'm eligible. The Doug Dorsey, license to thrill. <laughs> Which is just a great line. Yeah. Uh, They've been doing a lot of cocaine and yeah. who knows what else. Yeah. Do you know, do you know um, what Doug was eligible to also do? Enlist in the Merchant Marines. That was made up. <laughs> so he's, yes. you know. Yeah, he's yeah yeah um so then of course kate again coming in with the with the wet blanket off the top rope slow down champ we've got a long way to go you know mm-hmm. um and then me- meanwhile anton in the background is berating the service staff <laughs> at at fi- at 52 at 52 12 we hear this little bit of dialogue in the background where he goes i can't i can't quite make it out but i think after listening to it about 35 to 40 times i think what he says is what are you telling me? You're standing there doing nothing? Get our menu. What, what are you telling me? You're standing there doing nothing? Get our menu? <laughs> so he's just, you know, uh, demanding that the, that the you know, wait staff I mean, at being, this, like, five-star being, restaurant. He's being an absolute problem. He's like a menace. He's yeah. a total menace. He's yeah. a total menace. <laughs> he really is. Absolute diva hip-hop like behavior. maintenance uh, coked-out menace yeah yeah and i'm thinking to myself yeah i guess this isn't the kind of uh you know quality and luxury that you're so accustomed to back in soviet russia anton huh recently i made the video about the most unique car made in soviet union all-wheel drive lifted volga which was designed specifically from leonid brezhnev for his hunting needs and one of our viewers jose maria pena had a question about brezhnev collection of luxury cars so today we're going to talk about that Leonid Brezhnev and his cars. But before we begin, I would like to make sure you understand that in Soviet Union, people weren't allowed to own more than one car. So Leonid Brezhnev technically didn't own a collection of cars. On the paper, they belonged to different part of the government, but everyone knew those were Brezhnev's toys. But then we get to the big moment. Um, so I, I, if, if you'd like to take it over, Christian, I'll, I'll, I'll let you. No, I... I... You know, Hale, you know, uh, takes his champagne glass uh, and decides to make an announcement in which Kate is immediately like, don't do this. Mortified. 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 Begging him. Begging him him not to do this. She literally says, now's not the time. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's in such a great mood. I think I'll throw another log on the fire. Hale. The fact is, I've asked Kate to marry me, and she's accepted. Fantastic. Oh, Hale, congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. And Hale Farst, you know, yet again slams Doug Dorsey emotionally into the glass. So his helmet (laughs) goes flying off, and he's yet again blinded by this. uh, Blinded. You know, he had 18% vision. Well, he's down oh, yeah. to fifty percent after this. Knock it down a few absolute more pegs. Dirty hit by Hale into <laughs> the glass, where he announces that he has proposed to Kate, and Ugh. that she has said yes. And you know, this is one of my all-time favorite rom-com tropes. I was trying to figure out like what other movies this was. This has been done, and it, it was definitely done in Coming to America. Um, when uh, when what's his name? Um, Daryl, right? Daryl announces at some party that he that he's uh, 
you know, that what's, uh, I forget the, the main female love interest name in Coming to America, but he, like, announces, basically, it's the trope of, like, the, you know, the Baxter in the movie, uh, if you guys are familiar with that term, you know, like, the, the Baxter, it was a, um, a Michael Showalter movie, um, where the Baxter is, like, the guy, the you know, the groom-to-be in the rom-com that is, like, the other guy who's not the main love interest, who always, like, you know, is there, present, but then, like, gets dumped and gets, you know, whatever, like, you know, left at the altar or uh, somehow, you know, given up for, like, the main love interest of the story. This is my fiancé. I'm Caroline Swan. Beautiful, charming, and successful. Then again, when it comes to crunching numbers, I am all thumb. Fear not. Enter Elliot Sherman, CPA! This is her high school sweetheart. Handsome, adventurous, and charismatic. <laughs> This is the adorable temp. I hope you don't mind if I just take a moment here to personalize my workspace. And I am the Baxter. Nice. Elliot. Safe. Where are you two going on your honeymoon? Yellowstone National Park. <laughs> and wrong. I saw photographs of you and your high school sweetheart, Bradley. He was the love of her life. I mean, besides you, of course. I thought we had no secrets. That was 15 years ago. It would take an act of God for us to ever cross paths again. So Hale is the Baxter, and um, and he's he's proposing uh, or announcing engagement, not proposing, announcing engagement slash marriage in front of the main love interest of the movie. Um, just a wonderful, uh, incredible trope. Uh, and yeah, as you said, Kate is absolutely mortified. She says, now's not the time. But I love the way that Hale announces this, which is, everyone's in such a great mood, I think I'll throw another log on the fire. <laughs> which is... <laughs> Such, such a hail thing to say. Uh, Kate again beseeches him, "Hail, please! Now is not the time." Um, and which begs the question: Yes, now is not the time, Hail. Why? Why are you doing this here? Why are you doing this now? And why are you doing this specifically in front of these people? Yep. And that is, of course, <laughs> because he is. Threatened by Doug's alpha maleness, and he has no choice but to respond completely disproportionately. Like, (laughs) you know, like this is basically like his like shock and awe moment. You know, he's 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 looking at Doug. It's I don't even know. Like the question is like, huh? Guess what? Yeah, you made nationals, huh? Guess what? Well, we're getting married. Yeah. Oh, you think you're the cock of the walk? You know, basically. Hail Farst is playing the same move as Bush walking down the hallway to make an announcement about shock and awe happening right now. The people of the United States and our friends and allies will not live at the mercy of an outlaw regime that threatens the peace with weapons of mass murder. We will meet that threat now with our Army, Air Force, Navy, Coast Guard, and Marines so that we do not have to meet it later with armies of firefighters and police and doctors on the streets of our cities. Now that conflict has come, the only way to limit its duration is to apply decisive force. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That clip, you think Chris. you're Mr. All That? <laughs> yeah, you think you're Mr. Nationals, Mr. Talking yeah. Smack while slamming champagne to the middle of the in the middle of the day. Yep. You're well, I got her fucking hand in marriage, pal. How you like them apples? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like damn Behind apples. The, the, you see that banner, mission accomplished. It yeah, just drops. Yeah, yeah. As 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 Hale slams the phone number on the window uh, yes. in Goodwill Hunting, um, yeah. So he says, "I've asked Kate to marry me," and as soon as she as soon as he announces that, Kate's eyes sh- 
shoot toward the floor, just in utter shame and humiliation. And Doug, looking like he's just been concussed for the 12th time, says, that's great. Fantastic. Oh, hail. Congratulations. Thank you. Gorka. Gorka. That's great. Gotcha. I want my Well, I wondered how long I'd have to wait. And what do we cut to right after this scene? Well, immediately. Not, not yet. No, no, no. Yet. This is A couple more details. Don't trust okay. me. We're not leaving the scene. I'm just... Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> the first scene right after this, Doug looks forlorn. He's just... His world is shattered. And we cut to Snow. You know what mm. Snow is a, a street name for? Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's the just like... We can't, <laughs> we can't show him... Getting into a coke malaise. Haze. Yes. So we'll just show a snowy scene. But yes, at the restaurant, he is dejected. He is shell shocked. Yeah. This is he the looks kind of shell shocked Doug would have felt if he went to a war. <laughs> but he didn't <laughs> because he made up his service stolen valor stuff. <laughs> yes. But uh, Jack, on the other hand, couldn't be more tickled. He says, well, I wondered how long I'd have to wait. Five, six, seven, six hundred, seven hundred, five hundred, six hundred. Congratulations, Jack. You have finally, at long last, found a buyer for your livestock. That's right. Uh, then they, they, sh- they show the ring to Jack, and he says, ah, now there's a piece of ice. Hell, I think I'm paying you altogether too much. Which is another, pe- there are so uh. many petty male power moves happening here. Yes, like, there really basically, are. Basically, Hale takes out his dick and pees all over Doug in front of everybody. <laughs> yes. Metaphorically. Psst. Then, he pees Can all over. Can you that? Wait, I'm paying you too much. I'm paying you too much. Because the ring... Meaning the ring that you bought my daughter too nice. is too, too nice. expensive. Too, you've like, spent you too much money on that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't get be that. taking this no. much money yeah. if you can buy something like this. And yes. like, that's a power move by the dad who yes. then pees all over Hale, being like, yes. I own you. Yes. Your well-being goes back to me. Yes. Meanwhile, <laughs> Doug is like, all that class stuff yes. is coming back into Doug. His place is yet again. Flooding back into him as the coke the floods out, <laughs> floods down the back of his throat. He's back at the um, penalty box. He's back in, yeah. mentally. He's like back to just being street riffraff. The amount yeah. of... I mean, Yes. Meanwhile, no, Anton is is has his dick <laughs> pissing <laughs> out, pissing all over the, the wait staff of this very fancy, probably New York restaurant. He knows who his his battles with. He's like, I'm not these oh. people. There, uh, there, I am paid help. And he yeah, knows Anton's it. got it made. He's so he's Anton, living the high life, whether they win gold or not. He's yeah, he, he's made he it to knows, America, baby. He knows that his way to kick in this scenario is I'm beating up on his wait staff. Yeah, and like what he's that power move of like you no speak English like from a man with broken English the whole film. Uh, Boys, I have a very important update here. Uh, I went frame by frame, and I found in a quick, quick shot the cover of the menu is available. Oh my god! Uh, The menu is highs H Y S. It is a steakhouse, and this steakhouse is Uh. in Toronto. Uh, Toronto. Hey friends, we are here at the High Steakhouse in downtown Toronto on the wonderful New Year's Eve. And so let's go and try this place with me and see what happens. Alright friends, we ordered a salted caramel brulee. And let's see how this is. 
this review time. So as the first time we're here at High Seek House in downtown Toronto, this is the only location in Toronto, so this is technically a franchise, but not all over Toronto, but across the Canada, from my knowledge. So first and foremost, we started off with garlic toast, and they also have the option of cheese toast as well. I tried both of them. They're both really good. I preferably like the garlic toast more because just I'm a garlic toast geek, so that's just me. And then we had the Caesar salad that was made at the table. So I have shown that in my clip. It was good. Definitely nothing out of this out of the ordinary. Like I can literally make that at home, so nothing really that special. So I'd rate that like a seven out of ten, and then the garlic toast like a nine out of ten. Then following off with the filet mignon, I had a six ounce filet mignon with fries because I'm not a mashed potato girl, which you guys already know that. I would rate that like a 7 out of 10, nothing too too special that I preferably would want to go back to. And definitely for sure I ordered a nice champagne to go with it to at least something to compliment the, for the meal. I'm not a red wine person so if you guys are thinking, oh it's just you know what I'm I'm not a red wine. So that's it's either Savio Blanc or champagne, that's it, call it a day. And then, for desserts, I had the salted caramel creme brulee. It was good to sweet, so I would highly rate that like a 6 out of 10. If you're into sweet stuff, you'll definitely like the salted caramel creme brulee. But if you don't like sweets too much, I would not really offer that. Also, although, although I also tried the banana flambe, which is also made at the table and served at the table as well. Nothing too special. I have the ordinary. So overall, I would rate this place like a 7 out of 10. It's good to try it as an experience, but in terms of something that's like a go-to, not for me. Oh it's no, Canada. how dare These, they? How dare, how dare they? they film in Toronto, Canada and <laughs> they, pass it off for New York know, City? No know, movie would do such a thing. Mainly that. because Doug, uh, you know... Stolen Valor, they couldn't shoot in the country because he was a draft dodger. <laughs> like, we got to film in Canada. Yeah, this is Doug's only new choice. Home. But yes, yeah, so that, that background scene is likely Toronto. Oh, I think it's a stand in for Soho, but we did get to the bottom of the yes. mystery. This whole podcast oh, was Thank clamoring you, Christian. for. Amazing eye. <laughs> Thank you. That is hard. what we have you here we for. Did it. Um, one more, even perhaps even more minute and trivial detail is that at the very end of the scene, do you remember uh, when I mentioned at uh, uh, at fifty two twelve we hear that that uh, audio from Anton Sassley saying, uh, "What are you some something? You're standing there doing nothing." So at fifty two um, forty eight, the very conclusion of this of the scene of the brunch scene where we see Doug just kind of like staring off into the middle distance. You know, clearly uh, <laughs> coming down from his high um, <laughs> slash, you know, uh, heartbroken. We hear the exact same audio. It's a repeat of that audio from Anton saying, what are you telling me? You're standing there doing nothing. What, what are you doing? You're standing there doing nothing. Now, part of me is like, okay, that was probably just a little cheating on the part of the editor. Just kind of like right. reusing a clip of audio to like, you know, lay in to kind of create like the, uh, a din of conversation or whatever. But then part of me was like, I wonder if that was an intentional move that that was actually an echo of Anton's words existing only in Doug's head, as if he <laughs> felt that he was standing there doing nothing, not wow. acting on the feelings that he clearly had at this point oh, for boy. Kate. 
Um, yeah, so just a little, you know, I don't know, a little something to to, to ruminate over, a little something to stew that. on there. Um, but okay, so that was the brunch scene. So <laughs> Doug is clearly crushed here from the engagement announcement, and let's face it, so is Moira, right? She is. Dejected. I mean, yeah, she's she's absolutely dejected. There's clearly, no she didn't want that to happen. No. And and we transition from the restaurant to the skating rink montage, but in between, like like Christian mentioned, we have sandwiched perfectly is this sh- this shot of the falling snow, mm, a blizzard it's out cold, there. It's a whiteout. Yep, the cold, frozen winter, symbolic of death, right? Isolation. Mm-hmm loneliness blood loss that is is truly what moira and doug are feeling right now inside that they are dead yeah they are frozen they are completely empty and alone yep and we are going through it here yeah uh, yeah like you said kate's on the ice now but she's skating alone doug is not there yeah yeah and you listen to the music that she's skating to it Mm. is very contemplative so poignant sad and poignant and it's just she's clearly reflecting on her fate and her future that she is now trapped in a marriage that she does not want to be in and she's stuck and this is her refuge the ice the frozen ice it's all she knows the frozen dark lonely echoey ice right she's trapped in her frozen little prison cell there Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she is skating circles she is just spiraling literally and figuratively um and who walks in who walks in but rick 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 comes back into the picture fucking rick rick is back and he is dressed in an overcoat that would make David Byrne from the Talking Heads stop making sense to her go, that cut's a little big. Yeah. Rick, <laughs> you know, what are you doing? Rick, that is that clearly is too big. That's a gotta... for a man twice your size. Still dropping that shoulder. I thought you'd retired. I changed my mind. You know what I think is the saddest thing about sports people who stay too long at the party let's talk about rick who let's is talk rick? about rick let's talk yeah. about rick i actually who is rick i have some thoughts about this so rick is obviously kate's former coach that is the That's implication right. here that kate used to be coached uh <clears throat> you know and that he has been not in the picture for a while it sounds yeah, like well, we, been... we see rick in the very beginning of the movie when they're in correct. calgary 88 correct 88 so we have also established that this is December 1991. I have done the math. It is definitely December 1991. We are about to get into the Nationals, which are 1992. Well, it's probably now, it's January 92, because we've already had the New Year's party. Yes, so this is The podcast listening audience at home can't appreciate is Christian has his calculator and his legal pen. (laughs) Absolutely. He he has done the timeline work, folks. He's pointing it out. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've done the work, the timeline tracks. Um, I have looked at every menu in Toronto to find. He fired up the the AI machine and spit out some. In 1992, I could have ordered a steak in Toronto's High Steakhouse. It was the timeline (laughs) all works out. 
So Rick, Wait, does that stake house still exist? Can we? I want to go there. We now. can make a, a podcast trip. Our <laughs> final episode should be live from Haas Steakhouse, <laughs> which we rent out in our entirety and then berate the wait staff for yes. not treating us like the kings we are. Yeah. You know. Uh, so Rick has been the coach. Um, that basically, it sounds like everyone left on bad terms after Calgary '88. So yes, Kate went her way. Rick went his way, his sideburnless ways in his large oversized <laughs> coat. Uh, and then for whatever reason, Rick in January 1992 somehow catches wind through yeah. the skater world that yeah. Kate has started skating with a hockey guy. And for yeah. whatever reason, on his own volition, he is not invited he is not invited to this scenario. He just walks into the facility that he's obviously been in before. And immediately yeah, I guess starts, the door's not locked. Yeah. Door's not locked. And he starts immediately negging Kate. Yes. Like immediately starts being like. It is mind games from the first line of dialogue out of his mouth. And he's you're like, like real what, smug. what do you. Yeah. yeah. What's going on here? He's like. We're like, hey, babe, like there's a real like sexual tension here that I do not care for. And I just okay. want to throw that out there. I feel yeah. like Rick is like being a creep. He seems like a grooming He's creep. got incredible creep vibes. He's yes. got creep vibes. Because he is basically immediately like negging her about like her choice of man being like, oh, you're choosing a hockey guy. You're like, ugh. You think that man is what you need kind of stuff. And then he mentions like, we've been together since for 10 years. And she mentions that he's been in her life since he was, when she was nine. And Rick is this real weird presence, gentlemen. (laughs) I don't care for it. Rick is a grooming creep. That is my theory. I mean, let's call it like it is. This is the Bella Caroli thing that we I, talked about earlier. I'm so it's, glad I didn't have to say it myself because I didn't want to obviously no, like make light of this or like no, 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 no. or like yeah, be like flipping I mean, about it. Funny. But like yeah. this very much came off to me as like, oh yeah, you definitely like. There's I don't know yeah there well, there he, are there are heavy vibes of like an abusive relationship here. Yeah, let's get specific. I mean, he um, he is clearly her tormentor. Like he obviously like immediately there are signs of like psychological abuse here like the way that he treated her he was working with her when he when she was a child uh she references some very traumatic moment where he like reprimanded her when she was nine years old if you wanted to skate so badly why didn't you come to me i know we've made some mistakes mistakes spent the last 10 years tying me into knots you're always difficult you know what the first thing you said to me was I was nine years old and you came into my building and I was skating and when I was finished I turned around and oh my god there was Rick Tuttle and you know what you said you said boy do we have our work cut out for us still blaming Calgary on Brian yeah it was uh, I was nine and you came into my building and I was skating and when I finished I turned around and oh my god there was Rick Tuttle you know what you said you said boy do we have our work cut out for us right Right, yeah. Uh, to a so, nine-year-old, like... It's like child actor vibes. I mean, yeah. this is like all yeah. the stuff that we were talking about a few episodes ago where it's like, yeah, when you're an entertainer, when you're like a child entertainer and you have the responsibilities of an adult, 
it's just completely unfair and will always work against you and it's um abusive and uh exploitative in every possible way and so this is someone that clearly took advantage of her certainly emotionally and psychologically yeah. who knows what in, in uh, what other ways i mean do you but, remember like the fir- one of the first things that we hear out of his mouth in the beginning of the movie is this is the olympics kate 30 million people just called their families in from the kitchen to watch the replay what do you think this is kate Junior pairs, 82? No, as I recall in 82, you were still humiliating me in private. Maybe that's because you were still listening. Well, if I'm going deaf, it's because I've had you screaming in my ear for the last nine years. He's not giving me anything to work with. Rick, this is impossible. I want to see your ass in the air. Until Hercules here learns how to lock his grip, this will have to do. I want to see your ass in the air. Yes, exactly. And like the first thing he says, like he's smugly like gives her a real grin, like a shit eating grin of like, aren't you happy to see me, Rick? Like, cool it, Rick. You're not that good looking. First of yeah. all. And then on top of that, like he starts immediately doing what an abusive boyfriend tormentor would do is he starts immediately negging anything she's doing. Like he's yeah, like, he says, oh, I just hate why to see you, you humiliated. I, why didn't you come to me if you wanted to skate so bad? He yeah. goes, uh, you know what I don't like about uh, sports? The people who stay past the end of the party. Yeah. And so he's like immediately just psychologically yeah. torturing her. The saddest thing about sports. The saddest thing about sports is the people who stay too long at the party. If you wanted to skate so badly, why didn't you come to me? Uh, He says at the beginning of the scene, I just want to see you go out on top. I thought you were tired. I guess my big question here for you guys is, it took me a couple times after rewatching it, but what were your thoughts on like, what, what are his intentions motivations what's the the motivation here i was i was wondering the exact same things i was like oh he is is he coaching and like a competing team maybe he's like coming in to psych her out for a competition so that but he there's no indication he's not coaching any of the other pairs at this point i don't think right we don't don't see him later on in the movie do we i don't think we see him again wait oh shit okay do we see him later in the film I don't know. Well, now guys, we'll have to keep an eye out. Guys. Okay. It sounds like Chris knows something that we don't. <laughs> okay. You know, we'll, we'll we'll go to the tape later. But I, I think I got it right here for you if you want it. Go for sure. it. What what yeah. what's going on here? What's the he critically says? Still blaming Calgary on Brian? Yes, he does. Right. Who's, who's Brian? <clears throat> Brian? Brian is, is one of the other partner, skaters. And Brian you know, Newman, former skating yes. partner, which he is. We'll find out at nationals. Brian, Brian is, but is Rick coaching him now? I, I sort of assumed that uh, Brian and Brian found a new partner. Brian and Lori, yes. Yeah, Brian found a new partner and seems to have at least this alliance with his old coach. I don't know if he's still coaching him or not, but hmm. I also yeah, think I don't that, that the what Kate says to him that she, that Rick goes, "Why didn't you come to me?" Which, first of all. 
why didn't you go to her? It's not like you didn't know that she was still trying to skate. Like, yeah. again, puts all this impetus on her. And, and it's then, also just big time, like, broken up boyfriend. Like, oh, like, why did you go to this other guy when I was still, I would have taken you back. Like, it's it's big. Yeah, it's like. And what she time. says is interesting, too. Because she's like. lover vibes. She's like, you, for the last 10 years, I spent, you spent your time, like, tying me into knots. So, mm. like. Which is a phrase that I only really put together with romantic relationships. With love. That is yeah. love. That is yeah. where I'm like, there's something about this Rick Things character got messy. I do not care for. Like, she's tormented by this guy, was a figure that was around her all the time. All He's I'm saying is like, He's an ex-boyfriend. Call it like it is, yeah. Yeah. This is an ex-boyfriend. Yeah. But not. Definitely. That's what's so weird. He's not. He's yeah, a it's coach. Like an, it's like, he was a coach of a nine-year-old. This is crazy. Exactly. It's like an ex-boyfriend who is your college professor. Yes. It's yeah. bizarre. It's wrong. And it's yep. it's causing consternation it's with Kate. That she's yeah. already distraught about the hail stuff. She's in her wintry, icy, lost state. Then Rick comes out of the fog yeah, and it's in sh- such a moment her, of vulnerability for her, and here he just comes waltzing in to to swoop in and take advantage. And he goes, "I'd hate to see you humiliated. I yeah. hate to." All of this stuff is some real creep energy. Yeah, but this is really also is. a moment where, yep, we actually get to see Kate stand up for herself. That's which right. Is actually, it's the way that. she responds that's the most important. I just hate to see you humiliated. Humiliated. Oh, come on. This guy. A hockey player? Let's face it. Trusting partners was never your strong suit. This guy, this hockey player, is the best skater I've been on the ice with. He's going to make you cry. He's so good. You know your way out? Which is refreshing, because she definitely did early in the movie in a flippant way with, like, you want to see my ass in the air? Check this out. Like, mm-hmm. she had, like, those quippy things. But this is the first time that the entire movie is other men making choices on her behalf. Mm-hmm. And that Correct. she has very little uh, room for making her own decisions. Yeah, and her agency. own agency of, of defense of her choices. And this is, like, a moment where she defends Doug. Right. She, she tells Rick. She tells Rick Doug is the best skater that she's ever been paired with. Uh, Doug overhears this. Yeah, she says he's going to make you cry. This he's hockey so skater good. is so good he'll make you cry. He will and bring he, tears to your eyes with his figure skating ability, no, not his ice skating, this. not his, not his. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah. Getting to the thing of like, it's the first time that she's had to defend Doug to anyone. It reminded me a lot of the first time that Doug had to defend figure skating to anyone in that scene with his brother Walt, when he's realizing for the first time, you know, what this, what this sport, uh, what this, you know, whole, whole project means to him. And this is kind of the first time that Kate is sort of taking stock of the fact that she actually does in fact really value Doug and really believe in Doug. And I think she's, you know, she's saying it, partly to get Rick off her back, but I think that, like, there's so much passion and, like, emotion in her voice, like, when she says it, that you know she's actually speaking the truth. And the reason that she fully trusts Doug as a partner at this point is because 
it's very likely she doesn't know about the whole merchant marine shit. <laughs> I don't think he ever told no that to her. There's no, no way. way. Like, no. The, why would he have? Any, he would have no reason to. He went ever home. We never mentioned like, oh, by the way, I've been telling no. this crazy <laughs> story. She'd be like, what? Yeah. Like, so she's still. Uh, uh, firmly... By the way, I made out with one, maybe two girls at this bar, <laughs> and then yeah. I had to reveal to them that I was not, in fact, a war hero. Have <laughs> <laughs> promptly jumped by several women in a <laughs> Mayhorn bar <laughs> and may have had coitus with them. <laughs> unknown. It's, un- it's unclear. It's unclear. Yeah. It's all implied. Um, I just want to chime in here real quick. High Steakhouse in Toronto is. Uh, very much open. And, nice. Um, Does it take reservations? Yeah, you know, I, I, reservations. Fifteen hundred Google five star reviews. We have a classic menu featuring aged New York steaks, a lengthy wine list, uh, and a room with soaring ceilings. So we absolutely love it. The key to preparing a delicious steak dinner starts with finding the right cut. And at High Steakhouse, Chef Roland shows us what to look for when finding that perfect cut. So this is the New York strip loin. What it is, what you're going to be looking for, is a good content between uh, marbling and the steak. That's a nice, consistent marbling. You want a nice fat cap on it, so that fat cap will melt into the steak when you're broiling it or grilling it. Next, it's on to the high temperature grill. And at highs, they choose to use the good old-fashioned charcoal flame, which they blend with mesquite chips to help enhance the natural flavor of the beef. But on the grill isn't the only way to prepare a steak. Pan frying also makes for a delicious option. We have more options than cooking on a grill. For example, I will be cooking a tableside steak Diane here for you, which starts off with a little bit of clarified butter, which sears the outside of the meat and preserves all the juices and flavors within what is already a prime tenderloin. So the prime is the top 2% grade of beef, which has the highest content of marbling and is the most tender. You can literally cut this with just your fork. You only need about 10 to 15 seconds per side. And then for flavor, I'm gonna be adding some shallots, some mushrooms, and onions and garlic, which are pre-sauteed to the mix here. And then for flavor and a nice demonstration, we're gonna be plumbing with a little bit of brandy today. Now the sauce that we're going to be using is a veal reduction stock infused with some Dijon mustard and cream. And on the side we have some poached chateau potatoes as well as some green beans. On prepared table side you have a very nice meal of the best beef you can get in town. After preparing a few mouth-watering sides, it's time to ring the dinner bell. Call the family to the table, place a napkin on your lap, and enjoy your meaty masterpiece. For Go Calgary, I'm Ryan Massell. Yep, that is the one. <laughs> Downtown Toronto, folks. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, if you're looking to make a reservation, that's highssteakhouse.com. H-Y-S, steakhouse.com, 416-364-6600. Now, how Make far a drive are we talking from Cold Spring, New York, for example? <laughs> not too far. It's and, uh, you know, close, this right? is not uh, that far. It's a good day. Sponsorship opportunity here is just waiting to happen. I'll do I'll do the work just to prove. Are there any Google 19... reviews that mention cutting edge? That's what I want Established in 1955, feed your perfection. Uh, perfectionist. 
Dining at Highs is above all an authentic experience. A wide range of classic and modern <laughs> well, authentic dishes. Authentic unless you think you're in New York. Cult, but satisfaction guaranteed. Discreetly do cocaine at the table <laughs> while ordering escargot and berating our waiters. Unfortunately, none of the staff is fluent in English. But uh, if you are <laughs> you know, able to speak to them in broken Russian. Without any paperwork trail. Do you want to berate them? Go ahead. Grab a <laughs> they stone. They will stand there and take whatever abuse you give them. Highs, reserve a table now, highsteakhouse.com. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So Rick, Rick quick, takes quick off. Plug. Rick takes off because Doug walks in and he sees Kate defend. Yes. Of course, he's there standing in the background when she, yes. you know, gives this outpouring of, uh, you know, her, her testimonial uh, on his behalf. And Rick exits swiftly. And yep. Doug immediately is like, just classic guy he heard her say this maybe like he's there but he's like brain dead like she's like this this guy will make you cry but he's like oh dog horny like not thinking at all because he's still thinking about hail proposing exactly i swear you let me down it'll take them a month to count the blade marks up your back do me a favor will you take off the rock while we work it's cutting the hell out of my hand the first thing he actually says to her is take off the rock. It's cutting yeah. me when we're working. So yeah. he hears this like moment where Kate is very obviously has a affection for him as a human being enough yeah. to defend him to a monster that has tormented her her whole life. And Doug should probably know this by this point. And his first reaction is Doug, don't hear. Take rock yeah. off. <laughs> skating Like caveman. Like Doug. Bro, you're it's missing, so true. Yeah, hearing hearing picture. hearing that emotional outpouring from Kate does absolutely nothing to him because he's still completely in I'm mad that you got engaged to someone besides me mode. So he's yes. entirely strictly business, no emotion, no not even a, a hint of, you know, a, a a crack of of, you know, any sort of reaction to, you know, this uh this, this, you know, very heartfelt uh, thing that she says about him in his presence. And he's just like, take your ring off. I don't like it. <laughs> Babe, get that ring off. It cuts yeah. my hand. You can listen to Switch. 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 Switch.